Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Uh, this morning, I want to start a new sermon series that I have entitled Getting Tough with Temptation. Now, over the next several weeks, I'm going to be talking to you about our common enemy, the devil. And I'm going to be exposing some things about him that he really doesn't want you to know. Because as you come to know these things, it's going to become increasingly more difficult for him to lead you astray, to succeed in tempting you. So, let's not be foolish here, let's think. If that's what I'm going to be doing over the next several weeks, what do you think he's going to be doing? He's going to be offering some form of resistance to this. So I want to tell you what's going to happen. It's Monday through Saturday. You're going to hear this little voice in the back of your mind going, I don't think you can make church this week. I don't think you can do it. And you've got so much going on. You know, the gutters have got to be cleaned out. Uh, You didn't vacuum Saturday. What are you going to do about all this big, major life events if you go to church? So why don't you just, it's going to happen. I'm giving you a fair warning. He doesn't want you to hear this. If you have to miss a service, I tell you, the thought of going back to the podcast and listening to the sermon you missed, it's not going to come to your mind. He's going to make sure you're thinking about other things. He doesn't want you to know the things that I'm about to teach you. I promise you that. Uh, In the midst of the service, he's going to do everything he can to distract you. You're going to be sitting there thinking about all kind of crazy, goofy stuff. Do you think we're going to get out of here before the Rocky Knoll group gets out? Do you think we're going to get out of here and beat them to the steakhouse? You know, that bunch eats so much chicken, we're always getting that cold chicken off the bottom when Rocky Knoll comes through. Before we... You think that's... all this crazy stuff going through your mind? I want to encourage you to do something. Stay focused. And I want you to stay focused, and I want you to make sure that you're not a distraction to anybody around you. You help them stay focused, okay? I'm going to do my part. Now, one thing I'm going to ask you to do, it's going to sound very selfish, but i got to ask you. I kind of understand that in being the one who's sharing this with you, I'm probably going to be a pretty big target over the next several weeks. And I think that the target that I already wear on my back is about to get a whole lot bigger. And so I'm going to ask you to pray hard for me and my family during this time. Would you do that? I appreciate it if you would. Now I want to start off this morning with a story, a story that's found in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, chapters 1, 2, and 3. We're going to read a good bit this morning, but before we do, let me set the stage and tell you what is happening. God has been busy for five days creating the heavens and the earth. He came to day six, and he created a man. (laughs) A man. He created a man. Formed him out of dirt. Then breathed life into him. And said he became a living, breathing soul, and he called him Adam. And God then, then, the Bible said God planted a garden called Eden. Spectacular place. 
You've got to understand, you know, all the world at this point in time was without curse. Everything we see now is under a curse. I want you to think about the most beautiful place you've ever seen. I guess for me, Bill, it would be some of the scenes we saw in the Canadian Rockies. Just think about that. The most beautiful place you've ever seen is now under a curse. So this entire world was not under that curse. And then, so it's stunning, more beautiful. And then we're saying, but there was this little slice of paradise that was even more perfect. It was called Eden. God planted all these beautiful trees and there were all these beautiful plants. And he, the Bible said he put Adam right in the middle of it and said, Son, I want you to take care of it. I want you to tend this garden. And the Bible said that God said, Oh, it ain't good for him to be alone. <laughs> you know in other, in, in other words, it was like this one word about loneliness so much. He said, He's going to need some help. And hadn't that been your assessment of men throughout the course of their lives? These guys need, they're going to need a lot of help to get through life. So God began to create animals. And he would bring the animals to Adam for two, two purposes. One, he wanted him to name them. But apparently he was looking for a suitable helper for Adam. And so God created an animal. He brings it to Adam and said, what do you want to call it? Adam said, uh, let's call that a gopher. And I think God would go, what do you think? You lying? Adam would go, no, 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 they don't see that as a suitable, no. God created another animal, brings it to Adam. Adam goes, cow. God goes, what are you thinking? Adam goes, no. He creates another animal, pig, no. He creates another one, cat. Adam says, are you kidding me? Another one. Adam says, dog. God said, what do you think? He went, I don't know. Something about that. God creates all the animals. Adam names every one of them. The Bible said no suitable helper was found for him. So God knocked Adam out cold. In love, I'm, I'm sure. He's a loving blow. He knocked him out. And then he took a rib from his body and said, I've got to create one more thing. I think this is going to work. And from Adam's rib, he created a woman. Then he woke Adam up and said, uh, brought brought the the woman over and said, Adam, what do you think? (laughs) You know what Adam said? Hey, you know how I make up a lot of stuff. You guys know that. You have to kind of filter out what I make up and what's real. But I'm going to tell you what he really said. He said, at last, or in other words, finally, you got this right. I'll take her. And so there Adam was with his wife in a literal paradise. Everything was perfect. They were surrounded by nothing but pleasure. Now, in the center of the garden, God had planted two trees. One was called the tree of life. If you ate its fruit, it would perpetuate your life. Another was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so those two trees were dead center. Now, I want you to look at what God said to Adam about these trees. Chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him. You see this? Warned him. You may freely, that's a key word, freely eat the fruit of every tree. That's key. Look at this. Every tree in the garden except 
this tree and that tree and those trees over there. And this tree. Think about it. I've got 38 different trees here. You can't eat, eat from. No, listen to this. One exception. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are. Do you see the word on the screen? What's that word? Say it again. Sure. You're sure to die. So here's God. God's got this long list of do's. You can do this. You can do that. You can do this, do that, do this, do that. I got one don't. We think he's an unfair, harsh, demanding God. He said, I got one don't. Don't eat the the fruit off that tree. If you do, big trouble. Big trouble. That was it. Paradise, one stipulation. You can't eat that fruit. Any of the other fruit, you can have as much as you want anytime you want. None off of that tree. Chapter 3, verse 1, look what happens. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now what's going on here? Uh, What is this serpent? Well, the serpent in this verse is not the same as the serpent that you and I would picture. This serpent was a beautiful serpent wild animal that God had made, and it walked on legs. At this point in time, it had legs, and apparently, and it was shrewd, it was, I think that word might mean extremely intelligent, and apparently the serpent had the ability to communicate with humans and humans with the serpent. You think about this. I mean, uh, an animal begins to talk with Eve, and she did not freak out. It didn't surprise her. She just started having a conversation. I think the serpent may have had the ability to speak. Now, here's what we know. From reading the book of Revelation, we know that at this point in time, there was more going on than what met the eye. It wasn't just this wild animal who apparently had the ability to speak, talking with Eve one day in the garden. Uh, The serpent was being controlled by another creature. An angelic creature. Uh, A creature who was first named Lucifer. He was an archangel who became so proud of himself, he felt that he deserved to sit on the throne of heaven. This is found in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. He thought, I need to be on that throne. And God apparently said, no, no, you don't. And so he decided he would take God's throne by force. He convinced one-third of the angels to follow him in revolt against God. Their revolt failed, and God cast them all out of heaven. And guess where they landed? They landed right here on good old planet Earth, where they established an invisible kingdom in the very air that we breathe. We now refer to him not so much as Lucifer, but as Satan, or as we will probably call him through most of his series, the devil. And so the devil is using this serpent to talk to Eve. And he asked her, did God really say, I think one of the things he's doing, he's shaking her confidence. I think that's what he's trying to do. We'll look at this more closely later, but I think he's trying to kind of shake her confidence. And and he misquotes God. He said, did God say you can't have fruit from any of these trees? Did you catch the misquote when we read it? I think he is kind of insinuating that, whew, honey, you got yourself one more harsh, unfair God here. You can't, what are you going to live on? You can't have any of the fruit. Are you sure about his stipulations? Are you sure about all of this? Well, look what she said. 
Verse number two, of course we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden. The woman replied, it's only from fruit, the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. Look, she says, God said you must not eat it or touch it. If you do, you'll die. Did you catch it? She misquoted God. Maybe her confidence has been shaken. Maybe she has had these thoughts about God being a little bit unfair. She said, God said, we can't eat that fruit. Uh, We can't even touch it. Did God say that? No. So you kind of see where this is going. Look at verse number 4. Look what, uh, look what the serpent says. And I guess maybe we should say it like this. Look what the devil said. You won't die. And as a matter of fact, there's an exclamation point. He's, he's emphatic. You won't die. He has just refuted God. He has just said, God's lying to you, Eve. Well, at this point, she didn't have a name. Let me back up just to be precise. God's lied to you. He's telling you if you eat this fruit, something bad is going to happen. And I'm here to tell you, that's not true. Verse number 5, he said, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. In other words, he says, let me tell you the, the real truth here. Nothing bad's going to happen, but something very good is going to happen if you will do what God has commanded you not to do. And let me, I want you to understand exactly what he's saying here. Your eyes will be opened, and you'll become like God. In other words, you will now take the place of authority in your life, and you will be able to decide for yourself what is right and wrong for you. You will be free and independent of God and able to make your own choices from this point on. That's what he said to her. Verse number 6, look at this. The woman was, what's the word on the screen? Talk to me. Come on, I want you to talk to him. What's that word? Convinced. The woman was convinced that God was a liar. The woman was convinced that the serpent was telling her the truth. The woman was convinced that the right thing was to do the wrong thing. She was convinced. Look at this. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. Now, listen so far, she's just been listening, right? Listening to the wrong voice. That's all she's listening to the wrong voice. Boy, there were other senses at work. She's also looking. While she's listening, she's looking at that tree. She's overwhelmed by its beauty. She's looking at the fruit. And she's thinking, gosh, I bet that tastes good. She's thinking about those benefits, you know, that the serpent had told her, you know. She's, she's, ta- she's taking all this in. And man, did you see me spit there? Did you see that? And um, <laughs> I want one of those dental things that you, every once in a while you can put in there and just suck the spit right out of you. So, you know, I need one of those when I preach. Because if you notice, nobody sits on these front rows. There's a reason for that. So she's listening and she's looking. You know, there are other senses involved here. And look what she did. She wanted it. Said, and then she wanted the wisdom it would give her. She listened. She looked. Now she wanted. What did the devil want? He wanted her to do what God told her not to do. Eat that fruit. Now, all of a sudden, she's come to a point that she wants exactly what the devil wants. 
their wants not lined up. She wanted it. So what did she do? She took. Can you see a progression here? Kind of how this is moving in stages and steps. The progression. She listened. She looked. She wanted. Now she took. She took the fruit in her hand. She took some of the fruit. And what did she do? She ate it. She did the one thing God told her not to do. What happened next? Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her. And he ate it too. And later we'll see that she listened to him. She must have gone to him and told him what had happened. Let me tell you what the serpent said. And, and no, nothing bad's going to happen. Something really good's going to happen. And I ate the fruit, and I think you should too. And, and he did. <laughs> well, I don't know if I should say that. I'm not, okay? Did you see that? I did not succumb to temptation right there. I wanted to say something and I didn't. At that moment, the Bible says their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt something new, a feeling they'd never had, shame. They'd never felt that before. This is all new. They were ashamed of their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Listen, their eyes weren't open so that they found themselves in the place of God. Now we have the authority to make decisions for ourselves. We can determine what's right and wrong. No, no, no. Their eyes were open and they recognized something. We just did evil. We committed evil. And now they're ashamed. And they felt like they had to do something to cover their nakedness. And I don't think, I don't think Adam was standing there going, Honey, look the other way. I don't want you to see. I don't think that was it. Uh, I think they knew this. Every morning and evening, God shows up. And He expects us to walk around with Him and talk with Him and fellowship with Him. And He's going to be coming. And I don't want Him to see us this way. So they started sewing fig leaves together to kind of cover up the consequences, the results of their evil behavior. Well, look what happened. Verse number 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So what did they do? They hid, they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Whoa, this is foreign, weird behavior for them. This had to be the highlight of every day for them. God's coming. You know, we're going to have coffee with God in the morning. We're going to eat fruit in the evening with God when the cool evening breeze. Man, I can't wait. All of a sudden now, they don't want him showing up. They don't want this time with him. They're on the run. They want to get away from him. Oh, that's new. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? You say, did he not know? Of course he knew. He was looking for an honest confession from Adam. Adam replied, I heard you walk into the garden, so I hid. I was afraid. There is a new word. They'd never felt that before. Now there's fear. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman. He started that trend, guys, and we've been blaming our wives ever since, you know. It was the woman. And then he said, it was, and listen, he's throwing the blame off on her. And and here's the thing, I don't think I'd ever noticed, I started looking at this closely. Eve was tricked, Adam was not. What does that tell us about ourselves, guys? (laughs) The devil had to trick 
the woman. He didn't have to trick the man. It's a lot easier for us to fall into temptation. Maybe, I don't know. We're not as bright as our wives. You say, amen, ladies. Some of you are thinking, I wish they'd pass that plate again. I'd put more money in it if I'd known he was going to say that. He said it was the woman. And then he, then he kind of blames God. It was the woman, and you gave her to me. I was doing fine. I was going to do fine. Me and my dog were going to do fine. You gave her. I wouldn't be here in this mess. One for her. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? She was honest. She said, the serpent deceived me. That's why I ate this fruit. Let's, let's not read the next few verses. I'll tell you what happened. God looked at the serpent and said, because you allowed the devil to use you, I'm going to curse you. Boom, gone with your legs. And from this point on, you and all your offspring, every generation of serpent, will crawl on the ground in the dust. You'll be the lowest form of my creation from this point on. Then he actually spoke a curse against the devil who had orchestrated all this. And he said, and, and as far as you go, here's the way it's going to go down. Uh, you're going to bruise the heel of my boy one day, but my boy is going to crush your head. That's what he said. That's what he said to the devil. Do you understand what he was talking about? He was talking about what would happen at the cross. What he's saying is there's coming a day where you're going to hurt my boy really bad, but it won't be fatal. But he's going to crush your head. He was talking about what was going to be accomplished at the cross. It was a prophetic curse, I guess. Then in verse 16, God turns back to the woman. Look what he said. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. Now, apparently there was some pain. There was a level of pain in childbearing, but not to the degree that it is now. And mothers, who is to blame for that? I tell you, in the delivery room, Lynn blamed me. <laughs> Get your stinking hands off of me. Don't you ever touch me again. You know, I say, well, I got that kind of deal. It wasn't me. It's that blasted Eve. It's got it's kind of Adam all over. It's that woman. He intensified the pain of, of childbearing. And then he said, and your desire, you, you, you will desire to control your husband. He'll rule over you. We know the Bible teaches a man's head of the house. Now, guys, we like to puff up our chest. And go, That's right, woman. I'm the head of this outfit. Do you understand that God made it that way to curse women? <laughs> he put knowing. I'll put the weakest link in charge and that'll show him. <laughs> that'll show him. <laughs> I wish I'd have thought of that in the first service. I did not say that in the first service. <laughs> Look, ready? Turn to the man. He said, "Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed." Here's a new word: cursed. The ground's going to be cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle. There's a new word. They were never going to experience any kind of a struggle. Now they would. You'll struggle to scratch a living from it. It'll grow thorns and thistles for you. And the makers of Roundup have been pleased about that ever since. Though you will eat of its grains by the sweat of your brow, you'll, you'll have food to eat. In other words, you, it'll be a fight. You, you'll scratch up enough to eat, but it's going to, you're going to fight the ground from this point on. 
Of the sweat of your brow, you'll have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you return. In other words, he's saying, I told you you'd die. You're going to die. It's just a matter of time. You'll die. It was then that Adam gave his wife a name, Eve. And then God, in mercy and grace and love, did something for them. He made an appropriate covering, something to cover the results or the consequences of their sins, and he made it from animal hides. You know what that means? This is the first occasion where the innocent died for the guilty, where innocent blood was shed so that the sins of the guilty could be covered. Do you understand the significance of that moment? God did that for them. And then the Bible said God sat back and must have looked at his son and said, we still got a big problem. They're cursed. The earth is cursed. They still could take and eat from the tree of life and live forever in a cursed state. We can't have that. Look at verse 23. What did God do? So the Lord God banished them. Do you see that? That's a painful word, isn't it? He banished them from the Garden of Eden. And he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he'd been made. I, that's kind of the way I feel like, what I feel like God said. It's time, Adam. It's time, Eve. You can't live another day in the world I've chosen for you. You've got to start all over in the world you've chosen for yourself. And what do we learn in this story? Lots, and we will come back and revisit it. This morning I got time to share one lesson with you. Man, it's a big one. Is everybody awake? I don't want you to miss this. Here's the lesson. God has a plan for our life. And so does the devil. You got it? God has a plan for our life. And so does the devil. God had a plan for Adam and Eve, and unfortunately, so did their enemy. God's plan included submission and obedience. The devil's plan included rebellion and disobedience. Adam and Eve opted for the devil's plan, and how did that work out for them? Not good. In hindsight, Adam and Eve had to see that God's plan was better than the plan they had chosen. God's plan included intimate fellowship with Him. The devil's plan included estrangement from God. God's plan included pleasure and nothing but. The devil's plan included pain and lots of it. God's plan included ease. The devil's plan included struggles. God's plan included blessings. The devil's plan included a curse. God's plan included peace. The devil's plan included fear. God's plan was so simple. Think of the decisions they never would have to make. The situations they would never have to face. The devil's plan was so complicated God's plan included life, eternal life. The devil's plan included death. 
God's plan was better not only for Adam and Eve, but it would have been so much better for their children. And if you're familiar with the book of Genesis, you know what I'm talking about. God's plan would have been better for every generation of human beings who would ever follow Adam and Eve. God had a plan for Adam and Eve, and so did the devil. And I believe the same can be said of us. And I believe Jesus confirmed that in something he said in the New Testament book of John, chapter 10, verse 10. Will you read that with me? Jesus said, the thief's purpose, and I think he's talking about the devil. The devil's purpose or plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, my purpose, however, my purpose or plan is to give them, speaking of God's kids, a rich, satisfying life, a full life on this earth. God has a plan, but the devil has an alternate plan. He wants to rob us, okay? Something noteworthy, something you've got to remember. Now, God has a plan for you. You're not invisible to him. He has a plan for you, but the devil also has a plan for you. He knows who you are. He knows where you live. He knows the direction your life's going. And he has a plan for you. And I want you, I'm just going to make this succinct. His plan is to rob you en route to ruining you. You got it? You need to write that down. You need to, his, his plan is to rob you en route to ruining you. The devil plans to rob us of a real relationship with God. And if he can't do that, he plans to rob us of intimacy within our relationship with God. He wants to rob us of the power of God, the blessings of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Holy Spirit. The devil wants to rob us of success in whatever God has called us to do in this life. All other meaningful relationships and anything else that God has ever intended to give us. He wants to take everything away from us. He plans on robbing us blind and then leaving us in absolute ruin. You remember we're told in the New Testament book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that the devil's like a roaring lion prowling about looking for people to rob. Not just to rob, but to devour. That doesn't sound pretty, does it? The devil's plan is to ultimately destroy us and hopefully all those closest to us. God has a plan for our life and so does the devil. God's plan is always so much better than his. And in light of this truth, what should we do? Here's what I'm recommending. I'm recommending we choose wisely. Are you still with me, right? You know what I'm doing? I'm I'm kind of briefing the troops for a real battle. A real one. I want you to listen to me. What determines which plan we follow? Maybe the better question is, who determines that? Who determines which plan we follow? Is it God? No. Here's a big lesson, guys. God won't make us follow His plan. He won't do it. I mean, you didn't see him when Eve took the fruit and had it. Did you see God flying and slap the fruit out of her hand? Like, girl, what are you thinking? You say, well, if it's not God, is is it the devil? Does he determine which plan we follow? Uh, God won't make you follow his plan, and the devil can't make you follow his plan. 
Then whom, Ronnie? We determine whose plan we follow. The choice is ours. And to complicate matters, it's not a one-time choice. You know what? Some of you are sitting here thinking, I'm making my choice, preacher, and I'm making it today. I'm going to follow God's plan. Well, I'm glad you've made that decision because in 30 minutes, you're going to have to make the decision again. That's the way it works multiple times. Every day of our life, we're faced with the same decision. Who are we going to follow, God or the enemy? Whose plan are we opting for, God's or the enemy's? It's a decision we make over and over and over again. We get to choose, so we better choose wisely. You say, no problem, preach. That's a no-brainer. Who would ever choose the devil's plan over God's? Eve, then Adam, then everybody else, including each of us. That's right. You heard me correctly. At some point, we've all chosen to rebel rather than to submit. At some point, we've all chosen to disobey rather than obey. At some point in our lives, we've all eaten fruit from the wrong tree and furthermore according to Jesus and this is heartbreaking most people spend their entire lives following the devil's plan rather than God's do you hear me isn't that what Jesus said Uh, crooked and difficult is the way narrows the path and few there be that find it How can that be? Now listen carefully to me. How can it be? I I probably haven't told you anything this morning you didn't already know. God has a plan for your life. You're like, got it. God's plan is always better than the devil's. Got it. We're the ones who make the choice. Got it. You know, it seems so cut and dry. How can it be that we repeatedly choose the wrong plan? I'm going to brag on the devil for a minute, but just a minute. I'm going to tell you how it happens. The devil is convincing. He knows how to sell his plan. The devil has developed and refined a process, a process he uses to convince people that they ought to follow his plan. It's called temptation. It's the process the devil used with Eve. He tempted her, and as a result, she chose the devil's plan rather than God's. She chose poorly. This process is so effective, it only took one shot with Eve. Not three. Not 37. Not 112. One. She appeared to be easy to tempt. And don't think I'm being judgmental or condescending. I think it's often just as easy for the devil to tempt us. But you listen to me. All that's about to change. We're about to become tough to tempt. You with me? We're about to become tough To tempt. We're going to become intimately acquainted with the devil's ways. We're going to to examine this process of temptation until we understand it better than the devil himself. We're about to get tough 
with temptation. Are you with me? Let's pray together. Father, I do not want us to become a church full of witch hunters looking for the devil and everything. But neither do I want us to be asleep during the battle. I want us to be aware. I want us to be alert. I want us to be ready. I pray that through this series of sermons that we'll learn things about our adversary. To strengthen our resolve, to help us to be aware and alert, to recognize when we're facing temptation and to recognize the voice and the ways of our enemy as he really encourages us to, to submit to the temptation. Help us become stronger through this. I pray that we'll be better equipped and I guess the bottom line, I don't want us to miss out on your plan for our lives having chosen the counterfeit only to realize the cost somewhere down the road. I don't want us to do that. You help us through this series, I pray, to become tough to tempt. In Jesus' name we pray this together. Amen. Thank you for being here. You're dismissed.